Welcome back, loyal fans, to the Ramble Room. This is Tom Kelly. I'm here with Ken and Diane. I know we've been gone a long time, but there's been a lot happening down in the State House in Wyoming. And there's been a lot not happening down in the State House in <laughs> you Wyoming. Say, you say the State House. Now, this is the one in Cheyenne, not the one in Evanston. There's a house in Evanston. <laughs> Yes, Sorry. we're talking about the capital, Cheyenne, where Wyoming's laws are made or not made, depending on who happens to be the Speaker of the House at that time. And they're all made to be broken. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so we've got Representative Ken here, and he has firsthand accounts of what it was like to be in the trenches as our overwhelmingly Republican legislature in Wyoming and underwhelmingly conservative legislature in Wyoming actually came through on some really big bills, even though the conservatives were in the minority. So first, Ken, welcome home from the battle. And uh, can you please let us know uh, some insights off the top of your head, what you came away from, like what you were expecting versus what actually happened when you were down there? Um. I, I think I came away with a greater respect for the process because there, are, there were 62 people in that room, legislators. Um, Diane was there through most of the session. That part of why she's here is to give some of her perspective because she was able to witness some things that I kind of missed being in the middle of it. So she's up watching what's going on. And... As I, as I started to say, you got 62 legislators from the entire spectrum of politics. And that we could all get along, for the most part. I mean, there were some tense moments and, and that. But, but actually, the system works very well. And we would, be, we would be discussing things intensely until we're done with that bill, pick up the next bill, and in some cases, I found myself aligned with people that I was just bitterly opposed to in the last one. And yet the process has to go on. You have to, have, you have to maintain that decorum. <laughs> you don't say things like, get your panties in a wad. That's not supposed to be done, I guess. I did learn that. Oh, oh, did you say that officially for the I, record? I did that. I was behind the podium, and I said something about a lot of people got their panties in a wad, and you'd have thought I'd have just dropped the F-bomb four times over. It was, you didn't miss that in the paper and everything? Everyone was talking about I it. I have to admit that I quite often avoid the mainstream press. Check out. <laughs> well, I'm in my 50s now, and we have to be careful of our blood pressure, and, and I yeah. know what they do. It, it doesn't help to read these stories all the time about um, you crazy reactionary. It, it just goes to show, you know, you do a dozen good things, and then one little thing that maybe wasn't such a great thing and that's what makes all the papers in the state well i'm gonna have to go back and look at that one but yeah it's just like <laughs> oh it's a rookie a rookie error rookie error on that one yeah, well, and it just goes to prove you are not a polished politician this is a grassroots effort not yet i'm getting there though by oh, no don't don't ever don't ever become a politician <laughs> we have enough politicians there who do a fantastic yeah. job of talking a wonderful game to their constituents yeah. And then they go in there, and then we get the uh, Wyo Rhino votes, yeah. which, granted, is just a quick snapshot of only 10 key bills, but you can still gauge the temperature of a legislature. Those bills, those bills are very carefully chosen to hit different aspects of the 
of the Republican platform. And so by hitting a, a pretty broad spectrum of points in the platform, if you get somebody that scores uh, only a zero, as a couple did, or a 10 or a 20, that means on only one or two things are they in agreement with the platform, and on eight others they're in disagreement, and yet they're still running as a Republican. Well, I've got no problem if you don't agree with the Republican platform. Just come out and say so. Don't try to call yourself a Republican and fool people into voting for you. And that's what's happening. So you look at that group of 62 people, and you've got 26 Republicans. You've got 26 conservatives. You have 31 people that call themselves Republicans, but are not at all. There's hardly any middle ground. There were only like maybe two or three kind of moderates in the entire house. It was either, it was very polarized. So it's 26 to 31 among the quote unquote Republican party. And then you had five Democrats. And so between the 26 to 31 mix, we had a chance or we had the opportunity most of the time to cancel each other out and the Democrats ran the show. And when, when I look at something like that vote, the 10 votes, what you said what is correct. They, they do carefully choose the 10 that they're going to use. And it is a good indicator. It's a good snapshot. And if you see somebody rated at 20, 10, 0%, that's one thing, and you have other people rated 80, 90, 100. You clearly see their voting tendencies. Uh, I'm more of a data-driven guy, so when I look at somebody who's been labeled as a rhino for being 60 70%, sometimes we can get into what some of these votes were. Because let's get into one in, in particular. Here's one that split conservatives, and I saw, like, Senator Bo Beitman got, you know, he got a red check mark and he, he only got an A minus. He got a 90% because he, a little bit. he voted, I believe, in favor of the Convention of States. But the Convention of States is very popular among many conservatives. It's very unpopular. There's, conservatives are evenly yeah. split over the Convention of States. So I'm not sure if that was the best vote to gauge how somebody was on this. So what, what do you think on that? Well, I was opposed to and spoke prominently against the Convention of States. And there are a lot of conservatives, um, some of them whom I respect. Mark Levin, I think the world of. I think he's a brilliant man. But he's pushing Convention of States, and I can't for the life of me get it. And, and the reason is, it has to do with the rule of law. When God first made man, he gave him one rule. And man just did what they wanted to do. And the more laws that we have the more that the law is diluted and seems to mean nothing. You know, God God wrote in a few books the law, the law for Israel, the law for his people. And you cover the laws for the states as independent states coupled with the laws for the federal government and it's it, it's libraries to the point where nobody pays any attention anymore. But we make this argument all the time when it comes to guns, when it comes to, like, we had another school shooting, tragic, tragic event. And the first thing everybody says is we need more laws. Well, you know, it's already illegal to walk into a school and start shooting. There are several laws that you're breaking right now. And so some idea is, well, we need more laws on top of laws. And that, that's a fallacy. It just doesn't work. People are going to do what they're going to do. 
so that's at the at the essence is my problem with the convention of states because the convention of states says well what we're going to do then is get rid of this law the constitution of the united states which is probably the most magnificent thing ever written by man and we're going to bring in a new one well if we don't pay attention to the first one what's what makes you think that we're going to pay any better attention to the next one and additionally when you start bringing if, if every state's supposed to bring a representative or two or however it all works uh, appointed by by the state houses well if they pulled somebody out of that group in Cheyenne it's not going to be one of the 26 conservatives that's for sure when you when you look at the idea of different states sending representatives even Wyoming which is as conservative as they come as far as the people are concerned uh, we couldn't get we couldn't get a bill to get rid of gun-free zones. And all the things that you would think would just be a slam dunk in Wyoming, throwing porn out of schools. And yes, there is pornography in our schools. We had all kinds of testimony proving that. When I don't want to get distracted on that one. But I, I've got some emails chewing me out because you don't know what you're talking about. That doesn't happen here. But anyway, it's my understanding, for example, that, that Hawaii already has a draft to bring the idea to the Convention of States to get rid of the Second Amendment. So looking at the Convention of States, the issue is that conservatives who would like to add on amendments like a balanced budget amendment so we can't keep running up debt, who would like to clarify the Second Amendment so there's this, no more this argument about the National Guard versus individuals, even though we thought that was decided in the Heller case in 2008, is that your main point is we already have a constitution that clearly limits what the federal government can do, and we're already happily ignoring that. So we can write an extra double secret probation constitution that, that even says, even, tries to yeah. attempt to limit even more what the federal government does. Nothing would stop politicians and left-wing judges from just ignoring that constitution as well. You know, they're going to, but, but then, there's an but added then also danger. if we rewrite it... There's an added danger. We might yeah. end up with something worse. As yeah. I saw David oh, Iverson had pointed out the proposed new amendment or the proposed new um, firearm rights would give the federal government the ability to reasonably regulate. And then all you need is just some left-wing judge saying or some left-wing court appointed by somebody like President Michelle Obama, and we will have the Supreme Court say it is reasonable as a public health threat and based on gun violence in other countries. It's an emergency. To ban the possession of firearms for all civilians. So there's a danger of ending up with something worse. And I see your point of view here. And I'm personally against the Convention of States because I see it the same way. We already have a constitution that's supposed to limit things. We don't abide by it. So we're either going to end up where we are now or worse. We're going to end up worse. The, the guys that wrote, that came up with the first constitution were brilliant scholars. They understood morality. They understood how human beings think. And they also understood all of the fallacies that we seem to have forgotten about other forms of government. And so they came up with this, and I believe it was divinely inspired. They came up with this form of government that has served us so well for so long. And if we would just get back to enforcing the Constitution as is already written, we're not going to have that problem. People have asked me several times, say, what's the, what's the biggest threat? 
And my answer is always apathetic voters, people that are not paying attention. If people are paying attention and understand how their representatives, how their senators, how their legislatures are voting, we protect ourselves. We don't have to worry about term limits because as soon as somebody steps outside the will of the people, he's going to be replaced with somebody that will go back in there and, and do that. Um, I, I agree with the concepts, the idea of a balanced budget, which, by the way, is already mandated in Wyoming. We already have that. Illinois um, has a mandated balanced budget, yeah. and they run a deficit every year. They always find a way around it. Exactly. And so th- that kind of leads me to the next thing here in Wyoming. Even though we have the balanced budget mandate, the, you'll hear a lot of folks beating their chests and saying, we saved, we socked away $1.4 billion, and that's a big thing. And it's a good thing that we saved that money. We should have put it all where no politician can ever touch it. This was, this was a windfall that came to Wyoming in the midst of a two-year budget. We just did a budget a year ago. It was supposed to be good for two years. Now we got a windfall. They could not stand to just take it and sock it away. So we saved $1.4 billion, and the income, the interest that we'll earn on that is somewhere around $65 million a year. That's pretty good. That's pretty significant. The problem is they also spent a half a billion dollars and about 110 to $112 million of that goes on in, perpu- in perpetuity. So what we're left with is a $47 million, hour, million dollar a year deficit that we've got to make up somewhere. Now, we know that this was an extraordinary year that we had income coming that we did not expect. What happens when that turns back around? What happens when coal is no longer working out what happens when natural gas is no longer working out now we've tied ourselves to this level of spending that we cannot keep and we're going to be faced with an income tax right and they're going to talk about raising taxes yeah that's the only way we can do it i'm always of the mindset if the government has money to sock away for the future that they tax too much and they should be sending it because that's a billion dollars taken out of the wyoming economy just sitting off doing nothing waiting for the government to spend or you're they're already spending it ahead of time and it was brought up so we could give some of that money back to the oil industry back to the coal industry back to natural gas Uh, oh no we couldn't do that there is this mantra being brought into wyoming we're not going to give tax breaks to the rich. Yeah, yeah or, or whatever. Don't No giveaways for the fossil fuel industry. We'll pump yeah. money into wind and solar and flush it down that black hole. But yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, let, let's get back to the, um, the, the house session that you just lived through. Congrats on surviving that. Thank you. Now, <laughs> Diane did too. She, she was sitting up there every day and she didn't even have a voice. So she's a saint. <laughs> <laughs> Well, the conservatives were outnumbered by the moderate wing of the party, plus the Democrats. You say moderate, but I think if you look at those actual votes, there was nothing moderate about where they were. It was polarized. Well, when I look at when I look at Wyo Rhino, I see that there are a significant number of so-called Republicans who voted. 100% 100% of time with the Democratic Party. So, I, yeah, I won't even consider yeah. them. You, you those, know, are, those are liberal Republicans. Those are actual rhinos. But 
Uh, when I'm talking moderate, we do have those who vote with the Republican Party the majority of the time, but less than the 80 percent. But let's not get into the semantics about whether we're going to say liberal versus conservative, rhino versus conservative, just a conservative versus moderate. It, that, that's just usually how I differentiate when it comes down to that. Um, the point being that you, the conservative wing was outnumbered. What were some key victories you thought you got this past session, despite the fact you didn't have a majority in the House? Well, for the first time in I don't know how many, 10 years of trying, I think it was, well, I don't have my notes in front of me, so I'm not going to give uh, bill numbers and, and that sort of thing. But we put a stop to crossover voting. Now, that's not going to work as idealistically as a lot of it would because a lot of people that are not Republicans are just going to remain registered as Republicans and, and they'll still dilute it. But it's some, it was a goal that we had been trying to do for years. Um, as you know, last year we had the trigger bill, the abortion ban, which of course was met in court immediately. And we saw immediately from the way the courts and the way the left attacked it what some of the weaknesses were in that bill so they were beefed up a little bit with what is called house bill 152 uh, it's a right to life bill that replaces that one and of course it's and we knew it would happen it's being challenged in the courts but it comes from a stronger position for one thing one of the things that it does is the legislature has actually come right out and stated that abortion is not health care. And there are several of those other things that were kind of left up to the interpretation of the courts. And so we fought for more. Some of that was taken away from us. But that was definitely an accomplishment. There are a number of things that we're so close on being able to achieve. You know, we couldn't, we couldn't stop red flag laws. We wanted to ban those. We couldn't uh, ban gun-free zones. There were so many of these things that we worked on, but we're much closer than we were before, and so that's an encouragement. And it puts us in a place where we can see, okay, this is what we need. We need six, eight more votes, and then we can begin to turn things around. So victories were pretty few. But one of the, one of the things that was really interesting to watch, and Diane might be able to add into this a little bit, was... We were losing vote after vote after vote, 36, 26, 36, 26, 26, 36, 24, 38. You know, we'd pick up or lose a few here and there. Losing, 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 losing. And we're all taking it in stride, having a pretty good time. And the folks on the other side of the aisle were getting angrier and more and more upset and more and more demonstrative in how angry they were. And... They're the ones that were winning. So that was that was an interesting perspective from what I saw. One thing I saw in the media was the um, criticism of Secretary of State Chuck Gray for him, God forbid, voicing his opinion and showing executive leadership as we don't see sometimes out of the governor. and <laughs> And we hear this idea of, well, you know, the executive branch and the legislative branch are supposed to be separate. Well, they are separate. Chuck doesn't have a vote. Chuck can't dictate anything. But Chuck is a free citizen of Wyoming, and he has a voice, and he has a platform. So I applaud the fact that he has the courage to stand up and say, 
I would like to see this bill for this reason, like any other person in Wyoming, like the way even our wonderful representative in Congress right now is coming down on our own state legislature for failing to pass things. She's a resident of Wyoming. She has an opinion. She has a voice, too. What what do you think about um, uh, Chuck Gray's showing his leadership? Obviously, I think it was effective for the fact that we heard a lot of whining and moaning about it. Well, Chuck... Chuck, as everybody should know, was a part of the legislature for a number of years, and he was an integral integral and a powerful force within that legislature. So he has that mindset to begin with. And he saw an opening and an opportunity in running for Secretary of State to make certain things an issue, secure elections being foremost among them. And he ran on that, and he won pretty convincingly. Some would call that a mandate. So he felt like he had uh, the right to express his opinions. He worked pretty closely with several of us to draft bills, to try to get bills to go the direction that we wanted to go, including the one that I mentioned earlier on crossover voting. Um, He was very much a part of that. In contrast to that, we have a governor that came in on our last day of session and chastised frankly, the 26 of us that had been, that had represented conservatism. He stood up there and chastised us and talked about, we need Wyoming solutions for Wyoming problems. And it wasn't 10 minutes before that, before he walked in, that Bill Alleman, representative from out around Midwest, had stood up with a petition and said, we got a problem. We said, we cannot feed our cows. We got too much snow on the ground. We need some help suggested maybe the National Guard could come in and help spread some some hay around. As soon as that was brought up to the governor, his response was not a Wyoming solution, which they could have gone on with the helicopters and picked this stuff up and dropped it off and, and taken care of the problem. He said, call FEMA or wait and file an insurance claim. Not minutes In fact, in the same speech, and I challenge you if you haven't heard it, go back and listen to his speech on the last day of the legislature. It is so duplicitous. It is so disingenuous. It was infuriating to sit there and watch him lecture us on trying to do Wyoming solutions for Wyoming problems. And there's Bill Alleman. We've got a Wyoming problem. I'm asking for a Wyoming solution. And he says, no, call FEMA. It shouldn't really be surprising. Um, no. One one aspect I've noticed about the Wyoming system, and, and this is coming from the perspective of a political scientist and a professor, is there is clearly a Republican establishment, a Republican elite, who are increasingly showing a disdain for the grassroots Republicans coming out of the rural counties and the smaller towns, and being voted in, you're obviously present, company included. You were somebody who went up against the establishment basically single-handed and beat them. And there is a lot of resentment. And and I, the dynamic you were pointing out is the establishment, the elites, can feel they're losing their grip. That that large of a contingency within the House was consistently voting against them voting for their contri- their contributors, and that's all it comes down to. You, you want to see the, with the whichever big groups are giving out big checks to these politicians, 
they're expected to vote to protect their basically their business and their income is what we have yeah a a large portion and we'll just kind of lay that aside a little bit but but in this the same thing is the traditional quote quote unquote republicans um the the ones who who go back to when everybody played nice when everybody was always good old boys what was accomplished over the last 40 or 50 years by the republicans and i've mentioned this before complacency virtually yeah not not just that but they their main job was to lose gracefully and we have lost ground for the last 40 or 50 years by playing by the same traditional rules that's not working for us the grassroots people are waking up and saying hey the way we've always done it we're getting our butt whipped and we don't like it and things used to be more this way and now they're more and more this way things that we're talking about and issues that are coming up now would never have reared their head 30 years ago 40 years ago 50 years ago in short the way things that they have always done it the establishment republicans the traditional the wyoming caucus whatever label they want to put themselves under has failed miserably and so the grassroots are raising up and saying we don't want things done that way anymore we're going to shake things up we're bringing in people that are not politicians that are not going to be pushed around they're going to do the things that we want done and that's what we're doing and They'll be telling you now, you know, in light of what happened in Uinta County and Lincoln County with some of these uh, grassroots conservatives being pushed back out of some of the elections. And there's going to be an ebb and flow. There always is. But they're trying to tell you, oh, look, the Freedom Caucus, the conservative people, they've all met their peak. They're on the way out. It was a it was a fad, kind of a flash in the pan. People have figured out they're a bunch of morons that really don't know their head from a hole in the ground. They can't legislate. They don't know what they're doing. All they want to do is get on the floor and talk. The, the same people that are screaming about how this these freshman legislators don't know what they're doing fail to see what we actually accomplished. Every time we spoke on the floor in prolonged debate on a relatively harmless bill, we kept from getting to other ones like Medicaid expansion and bankrupting the state. We know what we're doing. We're capable of leading, we're capable of governing, and we will be challenged with doing that shortly, and things will be a little bit different. When you're, when you're the opposition party, you just basically sit there and say no, and everybody thinks that's all they can possibly do. Um, that's not the case. We do have plans. We do have ideas. We do understand that there is money that does have to be spent in order to accomplish the things that constitutionally we're supposed to do. But we don't have to do it the same way it's been done for the last 40 or 50 years. Speaking as um, an interloper, somebody who's come from outside of the state, a, a really interesting dynamic I'm watching right now is that some of the most conservative some of the greatest defenders of the Wyoming way of life are not from Wyoming originally. And what the pushback we see is the old, well, I'm sixth, seventh, eighth, 1,000th generation Wyoming. And Wyoming is in my blood. And don't you people come from out of the state and tell us how we run things in Wyoming. And I am going to go to war on this one because it really needs to be said loudly and often that we have come from the states 
where the elitist, the establishment, the traditional Republicans are going that route of expanded Medicaid and of uh, let's allow people to be on sports teams based on their identification. They don't realize how badly they're getting pulled the national direction leftward. And we have fled these states that have already fallen horribly to these ideas. And we're warning, we're waving the red flag. Don't fall for it. There's a reason the populations of New York and Illinois and California, Connecticut, Massachusetts are all shrinking. They're becoming unlivable police states. And Wyoming is nowhere near that. Wyoming is still a free state, but it is teetering in that direction. Look south to Colorado. Colorado was once a free state, very similar to Wyoming, and it has become overwhelmed with these left-wing ideas. In a pretty short period of time. It, it, it happened very quickly. In about a period of about 10 years, there was a tipping point, and it went from a uh, fairly conservative state to is true blue. They are as far left as California now, and it's becoming unlivable down there with the crime, with the taxes, and now we hear these same ideas in Wyoming. Well, we need an income tax. We need to diversify our income stream, however they want to call it. And the biggest attack they have against representatives like Jeanette Ward, who came out 100% conservative on Wyoming Rhino, is that she's not from here. She doesn't understand the Wyoming way. Well, I'm from here. My family came here in 1878 when there were very few white people around at all. And we've been here ever since. And we represent, in my mind, the true traditional Republican that wants liberty, wants to be left alone, wants to be able to live my life with my children and grandchildren. True small government conservative. Fit. Yes, yes. And so th then, you, then you have this, this, this other group out there. But you, you've mentioned several times today, you've mentioned Wild Rhino, and that there are three rating pages. And Wild Rhino is one, and it's a real simple one. They just pick 10 to give I a I think that's the most recent section. one, so it's right Yeah, it's head. the most recent one to publish. Uh, Doug Girard has one out there called evidence-based Wyoming. Yeah, more detailed. And he looks at every vote and breaks it down conservative and and then ranks them. And one of the things that that the other side has been saying is that, well, this the, the Freedom Caucus, all they do is vote in lockstep. They get their little email, they get their text message, tell them how to vote, and they do that in lockstep. If you look at the graphs, and I would challenge anybody to do this, if you look at the graphs, those people that are called the Freedom Caucus, whether they are or not, but the conservatives, cover a pretty good spread on where they're voting. The 31 Republicrats, the Uniparty, are right there with the five Democrats in a very tight little ball, way more compact, way more specific, uh, way more predictable than conservatives. So there's that one. And then there's another one going to come out next week, and that's called Vote. And Vote is probably the most thorough of all of them because they have a broader group of people that do the ratings, and they also rate 
every single vote. And you'll be able to see how we all rated on that one. Some of us have already been tipped off as to where we're coming out, and I'm quite pleased about where I'm going to be sitting. If you, if you look at all three, though, collectively, you see pretty much the same story. You've got 26, 24 to 26 conservatives, and the rest are not. And there's almost no middle ground. One of the significant things about that, too, since session was over and people are starting to talk about that is that um, the people on the side that's not conservative are saying that you are mean people for telling everyone about their voting records. Yeah. Yeah, if you if you bring up the voting record, if you point out that somebody scored a ten on Wild Rhino, you're mean. Oh yeah, I remember that happened in the Miller versus Western campaign. There were there that was, but you know that's for our next show we're going to record. <laughs> uh, let's 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 wrap this up with. Um, okay, it's pretty clear that we've got. There, there's a very. Uh, there's a very strong split in the legislature, and. Um, there were some victories from the minority, despite the fact you were in the minority. What do you look forward to in the next session? The next session is going to be interesting. The next session is a budget session. And we should have one more year of, of pretty good revenues coming in. And you can bet that 26 of us are basically going to be saying no, no, no to everything. We're, we're the ones trying to put the brakes on a runaway freight train. The other thing that's significant about that is if it's not a budget item, then it has to pass a two-thirds vote in order to even be introduced onto the floor. And it's very difficult in the current polarized House, and less so in the Senate, but it's, it's got to get through both houses in order to become a law. So we're going to have a lot more strength as a minority in this next budget session because we can prevent them from getting the two-thirds vote needed to introduce countless bad ideas. So I suspect what you're going to see is even more people with their panties in a wad who are upset about how things are, are working out and how the Freedom Caucus is just clogging up the words, how all the conservatives are just stopping progress. They don't care about anything. They can't govern you're going to see and hear a lot more about that. That's a little bit unfortunate because the, the lamestream press is going to be pushing that moving into an election season. Well, if progress is just increasing state power and increasing state budget, that's reducing the freedom for the people yeah. of Wyoming and reducing the bank accounts of the people from Wyoming. Good. It's, stop stop so-called progress. And then they'll turn around and run as a Republican and say, I want small government. Right. I, <laughs> yeah. One last question on this. The, um, the establishment is very adept at recruiting and funding candidates. And gain, gaining ground even more so. What is the conservative wing and the Freedom Caucus doing to recruit solid candidates to increase the size of uh, the size of your group in the legislature. I'm, I'm not going to go into great details because 
that is a little dangerous and, and can undermine. Don't want to give away the battle plan. Un, yeah, it. undermine our cause. But I can tell you that we are actively recruiting in a number of districts all around the state. Um, there is also an understanding among those who have been donors in the past that what used to be a ten, twelve, fifteen thousand dollar race is now going to be fifty to a hundred thousand dollars. The stakes are going up dramatically. That's what happened in Colorado, and that was one of the ways that a few mega wealthy people were able to destroy Colorado so quickly was they kind of caught the rank and file conservatives off guard and asleep. Right. Well, we're awake now. National level groups come in yes. and target conservative legislatures to yes. steal those Senate seats and for the there U.S. There are Senate. national level groups on both sides of the playing field. Right. And you but, have to bring them into Wyoming now. And, and it's a necessary evil. It is. You have to fight yeah. fire with fire on that or the conservative yeah. contingency. The grassroots efforts will be and overwhelmed. I mean, the spending just in your race w- was amazing. Yeah, the difference my, in it. My opposition, I, I think we spent about twelve thousand. I don't remember the exact numbers. Uh, my opposition spent just right at fifty. It was, it was like yeah, like three hundred percent more yeah. than you were spending. And I'd like to. And, and you won by a handful of votes in in, in a thirty-eight. But sense. who's it, counting? Exactly. <laughs> you barely, you barely eked by. Just think about what the um, the margin would have been if the two of you had spent equal amounts. It would have been a landslide. If if you take that away, um, and I also, I, I hate to sound bitter, but we had a tremendous amount of crossover voting. And if it had just been among Republicans, um, it wouldn't even have been a contest. Right. Yeah, exactly. Well, thanks for reporting back on what's been happening in the House. And thank you, everybody, who came back to visit the Ramble Room again. And we'll be having new shows out more regularly. Much more regularly. We're also, uh, we've tooled up so we can offer some video and we'll have some some video shows coming out. Those will probably be like little 10-minute snippets. Some of you saw the Chip and Bear show. Um, same producer, same same ideas. Oh, I'm look, yeah, I'm looking to make that a little more dynamic and get that stuff up on YouTube. Would you please? We all need somebody <laughs> to look up to. <laughs> That's a tall joke, everybody. You'll see on the video.